And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. It's Thursday morning. Three days before the North London derby and also, incidentally, the night after Manchester City got beaten by Southampton in the Carabao Cup. Uh, just goes to show that they can wobble too. We'll get to that, hopefully repeatedly, in the coming weeks. Uh, so we'll talk about the game on Sunday against that lot and we'll chat about the new stadium art and a big game in the WSL. Also on Sunday as the girls take on Chelsea. Uh, James McNicholas and Art de Roche are on the Zoom. Morning. Morning. Morning, morning. Oh, oh my god. Oh you're are you right, Ash? Oh. Yeah, no, that was just a bit of toast. Uh, um I'm I'm good. <laughs> okay. Uh well hopefully Art will make it till the end. Now, uh I got a number of uh suggestions from Jesse, our producer, about what we should do as an opening question. One of them was, uh, which minute do you think Harry Kane will get his inevitable soft penalty in? Right. <laughs> and I said to him, yeah, that's funny, but also not funny at all, because we know he will. <laughs> not that I think it will matter. But what we thought we'd go for is Arsenal had an event yesterday, as some of you may know. Uh, it was to celebrate the launch of the new rap for the stadium. And when I say rap, I don't mean that Josh Kroenke was spitting bars in the director's box, but that a series of giant artworks had been commissioned for the outside of the stadium. Uh, we wondered here on Handbrake which artist you would have chosen to design our new stadium rap. Art. I know you're big into art. <laughs> art. <laughs> so, I'm only saying that because you said you weren't, yeah. essentially. Uh, but go on, what, uh, got any thoughts? Now that I'm thinking about it, so I was just going to say Sam Richardson, who is one of our graphics guys at the Athletic, because I get on well with him and see him in the office quite often. But now I'm actually thinking about it. Maybe you can give Hector Bellerin a crack at it, I think. Uh, he's, always had, he's always had an artistic side to him, hasn't yeah. he, really? And so, he loves the Arsenal as well. So maybe he could be more of like a consultant and then you get the artist to take his ideas on. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the one that just sprung to mind, which is probably yeah. a bit better. I like your way of thinking. Oh, I genuinely do. James, what about you? I mean, we've all seen what they've done in the stadium and, and I think we'd agree it's pretty spectacular. But anyone do you think could have added to it? Well, yeah, I mean, on that note, I, I should give a shout out because one of the artists involved is a guy called David Rudnick, who really specialised in a lot of the typography and design and, and the font aspect. And he was like, when I was growing up, he was my next door neighbour and my best mate. And he's a massive Arsenal fan. And we used to speak all the time about, you know, the club's visual identity and what they could do better. And he was so passionate about it. So to see him at the unveiling last night and his work, you know, being so universally, not universally, but widely loved, let's say, by the Arsenal fan base was a real thrill. But let's forget about him. <laughs> if I was, to, if I was to have somebody else, I've just got back from Amsterdam. I was in Amsterdam for five days, and I went to the Rijksmuseum. Oh, that's great. Um, 
And, I, I, you know, if he was kicking around, I'd say, let's get Rembrandt in. You know, he knew what he was doing with a paintbrush. I think it, it, would, it would be... It would be a different tone, be a sort of a darker tone to the artwork, but be worth a few quid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a good idea to have it on the outside of the stadium. Is that a Rembrandt on the outside of the stadium? But yeah, no, I like that. He, he was he knew what he was doing with a paintbrush. You're absolutely right. It's been said about him many, many times. Mm. Uh, that's a good call. Um, I'm going for a, I'm going for something a bit more modern. I'm I'm going for Damien Hurst. Um, I yeah. was saying something. I mean, uh, uh, the uh, the shark, uh, the shark art, uh, piece of art, the physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living. I, I don't want to think about that too much. Um, <laughs> but I quite like the idea of maybe having uh, some uh, deceased Arsenal players maybe chopped into pieces and set in formaldehyde just so we can see that they bleed Arsenal, you see, because <laughs> they all did. OK, it's a stretch. But the whole thing is a stretch, isn't it, to be fair? Anyway, we'll talk about that uh, artwork uh, in a short while. Uh, before we do that, North London Derby on Sunday. <laughs> Arsenal 2, Tottenham 1. Here's Martinelli. Leaned on by Romero. Chance for Shaka! The Emirates explodes and Kevin Shaka makes it 3-1 to Arsenal. The Tottenham players hang their heads. Is this going to be Arsenal's day on Derby Day? I was given all sorts of stats. The one that jumped out at me is that we have not won at their place since March the 16th, 2014. Thomas Rosicki scored in a 1-0 win. James, about time we won away, isn't it, down there? Yes, it's overdue. You know, like Arsenal finishing above Spurs, it's something that feels overdue and uh, it's about time. And, you know, when you look at our form and the quality of the team this season, it seems like as good a chance we've had going there uh, for a while. So... Uh, you know, I I never I could never say I'm optimistic uh, about a North London derby. They fill me with anxiety and and fear. Um, you know, because the the consequences yeah. of losing are sort of too horrific to bear. But yeah, we've got to think we've got a good chance of getting a result there. And I think I think it would be really really precious to us if we do and and be a huge boost uh, in our our title bid. Well, I mean, part of the reason, by the way, I should say I am confident and I haven't felt like this about North London Derby, particularly uh, uh, at their place for quite a long time. We generally beat them at home and it's fantastic when mm. we do. But over at their place, it's not easy. They Obviously, they, they raise their game and all the rest of it. But I feel, and part of the reason I mentioned that Man City result at the start, I think they are feeling the pressure a little bit from us and I think that will give our boys a boost. Uh, I genuinely do. Art, Give us some reasons why we should be optimistic. <laughs> I think the main one for me is you can tell, I think one of the main reasons like you're so confident is probably you can tell they're a proper team. You can see that they probably, they wouldn't just wilt away like they did last season, I don't think. No. You, I think the, the Newcastle game was probably the best kind of example of that with just with how frantic that game was. And they were still able to kind of come through that pressure. And even though they didn't win, they were in control in in the in the kind of very crazy, crazy moments of that game. So I think that's where, I guess, my, I'll call it guarded 
optimism comes from the fact that you can actually see that they can stick it out in those uh, tougher moments so hopefully that that continues um, and I think also when you look at I guess the start 11 at their place uh, last season compared to what it should be this year that's um, also quite helpful I think that's a really good point. You know, we, we've come a long way in a short space of time and the team that went to Tottenham at the end of last season was one with fatigue and a couple of injuries. But that experience, I was in the stadium that night and it was quite a bruising night. So if there's a sort of conservatism about my uh, approach and my outlook going into this game, it may be that I'm still carrying some of those wounds because it was a... A really painful one, but hopefully that can serve as massive motivation for the team on this occasion. That's what they've talked about. Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale's talked about it. Quite a few have talked about that pain of the end of last season, going to Spurs and getting spanked and then going to Newcastle and getting spanked as well. That can really drive you on, I think. And I think it's driven them on for the whole of this season. You know, 14 wins, two draws and one solitary defeat. And by the way, we've got May United coming up with Tottenham, which will be an equally tough game, uh, in my opinion. Um, the big battles on the pitch. I mean, William Saliba had Harry Kane in his pocket in the North London derby in October at our place. Um, do you think... I mean, that was such a huge performance, James, wasn't it, by Saliba? But Harry Kane is looking in form. You know, he's, he's a hard man to stop. He is. He's obviously the main threat. And, you know, I think... In recent weeks, he's been the guy who's been carrying Tottenham uh, in his individual performances because recent Son's... years <laughs> is what you meant by that. Well, yes. I mean, typically, you know, Son has been up there with him, but his yeah. form has dropped off a bit this season. Kulisevsky has been out with injury. Unfortunately, looks like he might be back. I think he's a, a really important player for Tottenham. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, there's, without Harry Kane, who knows where they would be? Um, well, considerably richer, I imagine, if they're taking the money from Man City. But yeah, he, he's the guy who worries you. I mean, it's a question of sort of when, not if, about the penalty. It feels like, um, it, it just feels like every time we play them, you know, that he's afforded the opportunity to score from 12 yards out and he doesn't miss many of those. No. But it will be a big test for Saliba because I think since he's come back from the World Cup, He's not looked quite as assured as he had done previously. I think physically, maybe he's a little bit off the pace just because he had that long without competition, without regular game time. It was interesting. I thought that he was the guy who, who didn't play at Oxford. He was left out, presumably, with this fixture in mind. I don't think he even travelled. Um, and I think that sort of shows an awareness from Mikel Arteta that this is going to be one of the really important duels. But I would say... It's not just about him. You've got Gabriel next to him, who's also been in good form this season, and Thomas Partey in front as well, who could be just as valuable into kind of stopping Harry Kane because what he likes to do is drop into those midfield areas. We've seen him hurt us there in the past, receiving the ball on the turn, you know, playing it out wide. And Partey's going to be operating in those spaces too. And with the form that he's been in this season, you'd have to think he'd play a big part in helping us shut Kane down. And what about Eddie? Art. I mean, he's going to be up against uh, Dyer and Romero. I mean, I think Eddie's looking really confident at the moment. Obviously, he scored against Oxford, which you'd expect him to, but he also scored against West Ham as well and and, uh, and against Brighton. Um, he 
looks like he wants to be the main man and that's all he ever really wanted and this is the perfect opportunity. How much would it fill him with joy to score the winning goal against Tottenham? I don't think it would just be him. I think everyone this season and well I can probably extend that to the back end of last season. You could kind of feel everyone's been willing him on um, and I feel like going into this game it's quite interesting. I feel like the way Romero plays he's very aggressive but he doesn't he just doesn't hold back he will dive into any challenge so I feel crazy. like crazy <laughs> I feel like the way um Eddie plays may work well with that if he's able to get himself a little bit of space um with the way he receives the ball I think everyone knows that's his kind of signature now receiving it on the spin if he's able to get one of those moments right I think he could have quite a good day. But aside from that, I also think, depending, I'm not sure whether they'd go with a back three or a back four, but depending on that, I guess the wide players will be just as important as a trio, not just, and it not just being Eddie on his own, because I think last year it was pretty much just Eddie and Ketia trying to run him behind and ha- he had very kind of little around him. So, I think those guys are probably just as important um, to to how that attack runs, which credit to them. They, they've been doing a great job of uh, so far this season. Yeah, I must say my confidence, James, and it is confidence. I woke up this morning thinking about it for some strange reason. I also had a strange dream that I was working in an architect's office for some reason. I was <laughs> late for work. I don't know what the hell was going on there. But once I'd got past that and I realised I didn't have a proper job, I then started thinking about Arsenal Tottenham on Sunday. And my confidence comes from the fact that I think uh, as much as I do respect the talent and ability of, of Harry Kane and Hyunmin Song, I think they're, they're, they're excellent players. I'd rather have our forward line. I genuinely would. And I think our forward line will scare their defence. I don't think their defence is good enough. And um, I think Saka, you know, and Martinelli and Erdegaard and Eddie, I, I'd, I'd take them over almost anyone in our division, really. And, and I think that they will tear into Spurs. Uh, on Sunday and I think they want to make uh, you know a statement victory is what they're looking for well I'd love nothing more and I think your confidence it does come from a very rational place I mean we are the team that's top of the league we are arguably the team playing the best football in this league and the attack has been a huge part of that the chances we create the goals we score you know Saka and Martinelli have both been absolutely outstanding and I'll be honest when I saw them playing against Oxford I was a little bit Alarmed, maybe, just because, you know, we need them so desperately in these league games. But they they keep going. And and to be fair to them, their stamina is one of their strong attributes. I mean, Martinelli, the amount of ground he's covering, the amount of sprints he's making, despite the amount of football he's playing, is extraordinary, really. I think it's probably something that's not talked about enough. And you do look at that Spurs team and they've had a very... I think they've had a very odd season. I find them, you know, obviously I don't watch every single one of their games, but I find them a very difficult team to get my head around because they don't play particularly uh, great football, winning football, positive football. Their results are actually pretty decent despite that. And they've clawed some results from some perilous positions with some late comebacks. I kind of feel like eventually some of those some of those birds have got to come home to roost, you know, and I'm hoping that this weekend is one of those days. I don't doubt that Arsenal are the better team at this present point in time. 
It's just that a derby is different it and an away derby is a different matter as well. So there's an element of equalisation that happens in these games, which you just have to accept. And I think having cool heads is going to be as important as anything else. You know, in the last one we saw the refereeing didn't go in our, our favour, but I think that got to the players. We saw a red card as well. I think it's going to be really, really important that Arsenal keep their cool in the face of what's likely to be some Spurs provocation. Well, while we're on the subject then, the managers are Mikel Arteta and Antonio Conte. I mean, that <laughs> they could end up wrestling by the <laughs> side of the pitch, couldn't they? Let's be fair. I, 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 I kind of put the um, complaining comments out of my mind from last season and um, they were brought up to me again a couple of days ago. Uh, but it seems like, especially with, I guess, Arteta and Conte, it's all talk in the presses. And then when when they're face-to-face, they just act like nothing's happened. So I, I don't think it's going to be too too fiery. But I think Arteta has previous of even getting involved with the Tottenham players. Uh, I remember it was Hoiberg, I think, when they had that friendly at the Tottenham Stadium uh, last summer. And uh, I think Hoiberg wanted the ball and Arteta just wouldn't give it to him. It's like little moments like that. So I think you'd probably see more stuff like that rather than bench to bench. But I guess we're in a different moment now. And we've seen, obviously, in the Newcastle game how high those stakes were. But, but, sorry to interrupt, but I thought they actually, the players were pretty cool in that game. I I mean, we had a couple of yellow cards in the first half and you thought one of them could go here. And they controlled themselves. And, And I thought that that was quite encouraging. And that gives me gives me confidence for the way they'll behave on Sunday. Yeah, that, so it was like the defence against the dark art stuff we were talking about. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there won't really be that many fireworks. I don't know why. In terms of, like, just explosions on the touchline, right. I may be wrong. but um, Comfortable 3-0 win is what you're saying for us. <laughs> really? I'm not sure. Maybe a if, Spurs if, stadium <laughs> emptying on about the 75th minute and we're doing, is there a fire drill? You just hear that <laughs> ringing out across uh, across Tottenham. That would be uh, marvellous, would it not? Um, little quiz for you. One little question, which we uh, came up with. Um, we know Harry Kane gets a lot of goals in this fixture in the Premier League era. He's the top scorer. Uh, Adebayor is second with 10 and Robert Perez is third with eight. And there are four players tied on five goals in the North London derby. Two for Tottenham and two for us. Art, can you name the Arsenal ones? Is one of them Thomas Rosicki? Uh, no, one of them is not Thomas Rosicki. That's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I understand why you thought that because he scored the winner and I know he got another one. Uh, at some point, have won at uh, at the Emirates as well, but it's not Thomas Rosicki. It's two fairly obvious ones. Actually. Is is one Ian Wright? No, it's not. <laughs> I'm liking this. No, you'd be you'd have thought the Ian Wright actually. Yeah. I mean, it is actually it does say the Premier League era, uh, right? Even so, yeah, yeah. Well, it's um the two the two Arsenal players are uh, Thierry Henry <laughs> and uh, Robin Van Persie, <laughs> okay. two decent forwards, and and the two Tottenham players. Uh, well, anyone want to guess at the Tottenham players? You must know one of them. Who are, who are the top two for Tottenham? <laughs> the, uh, the top, well, Harry Kane oh, is the t- top, and Adebayor would have got some for both. Um, yeah. Uh, Sheringham, is it? No, it's Gareth Bale. Oh. And, uh, and uh, Son got five okay. each. A uh, five each. Uh, not that he's going to add to that, Son, on Sunday. Would you take a draw, by the way? 
Will either of you take a draw now if I offered it to you? James? It probably won't surprise you to hear that I would. Yeah. I think that my anxiety about this may be very connected to the fact that I'm going to be in that stadium. <laughs> yeah. And, like, let me tell you, where the press box is, you're surrounded by thousands of Spurs fans. Horrible. It is Horrible. a brutal experience if it doesn't go your way. So would I take a point in the con- in the broader context of our season? And, the- yeah, I think I would, yeah. Oh. <laughs> if it meant beating Man United... Yeah, that's the point yeah. as well, isn't it, really? We've got Man U the following week. And that, and as I've said this already, I think that might be even a harder game, yeah. to be honest. They're on a tremendous run uh, at the moment. Ten holes got them firing and Rashford looks dangerous. So you take a point if you knew we'd beat Man United at home. And four points from these two games wouldn't be bad. No, exactly. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and four uh, points from Spurs. You know, we've comfortably kind of bested them over the course of the season there, I think. If they take one, we take four. Um, one more thing, by the way, uh, Emil Smith Rowe. Uh, do you think he'll get any minutes um, on uh, Sunday? Art? I mean, he maybe looked a bit rusty, of yeah, course. Maybe off the it, bench. Um, be great, for yeah, him to come come on, and he and he loves to score against Tottenham, doesn't he? Yeah, I I think if anything, it will probably be like a fifteen minute thing. Obviously, I think we've just got to see how they want to play this in terms of easing him back into things because. I think it was 15, 20 minutes against Oxford. Yeah. There's an under-21s game on Friday. Don't know whether he'll be involved in that, but it's there um, if they want to use it. And then um, going beyond that, there's very big games, which um, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it would be like the best way to ease him back in, but... As a, as a starter. You can't, you but, can't really ease someone yeah. back into a North London derby <laughs> at Tottenham. No, that's true. When the title's on the line. Uh, um, yeah. No. So, um, if anything, off the bench. And hopefully, he, he um, you can just see that he kind of gets back into his rhythm. Because he was a bit rusty, I think, on Monday. But I think most people would have expected that. Yeah, James. I mean, it, it, as someone like... Emil Smith Rowe to come back in. Uh, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but it is like a new signing, isn't it? If he's uh, if he's fit and firing, it's massive. And you know, we have short memories in football, but if you think back just a year or so, a little over a year, Emil Smith Rowe was maybe the most important player in our team. You know, in the first half of the season and scoring goals from all over the place. I think one trait he has that is really uh, precious at this point in time is that he has shown himself to be a really effective substitute. You know, we, he had that run last season where I think it was four consecutive games he came off the bench and scored. So yeah. even if he's not in a position yet to start games uh, regularly, I think he can provide a bit of variety, a bit of a difference maker off the bench. And we've lacked that. You know, if you think about the Newcastle game, that we desperately needed an injection of something Maybe Sunday is, is too soon to have those kind of expectations for us from Emil Smith Rowe, but I think as time goes on and he regains fitness, regains confidence, he's certainly got that you know within his potential. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him playing uh, a full part in the second half of the season. By the way, I didn't answer the question whether I would take a draw, um, and uh, uh, no. It's a short answer. I want to beat them. I'm That's so, a good answer. I mean, I know that you want to beat them too, but I genuinely. I don't want to say hatred, but my <laughs> antipathy towards them knows no bounds. Even though some of their fans are very, very good friends of mine, but I want them 
upset on Sunday evening. <laughs> I genuinely do. It's Tottenham away. I mean, it's, you know, we will fight forever more because of Boxing Day. It was always about that, really. Uh, anyway, Ian Stone, James McNicholas and Art De Roche here on Handbrake Off. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We better beat uh, with the handbrake at time. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Now, as I said earlier, the new stadium rat was unveiled yesterday and I think... My personal view uh, is it's a thing of beauty. Uh, Amy has written a great piece outlining the thinking and how it happened. And we'll get her views on it when she's next on the pod. I thought it looked splendid. And also very current and very reflective of Arsenal in 2023. James, I mean, our club, it feels like everyone at the club is on the same page from top to bottom. I mean, the people who commissioned this, and by that I mean the owners, the directors, the people who paid for it, they really get what Arsenal means to us because I f- sort of feel it means the same to them now. Yeah, and I, I, I have to give the club huge credit for the process they undertook to come up with these designs. I mean, Amy details that in the piece, but they genuinely did start with a blank slate. You know, there was nothing imposed by the club of we want this, we want that. And they sat down 
with a group of supporters who were selected to you know, reflect the diversity of the fan base. And these designs came out of those discussions about you know, what does Arsenal mean to you? What does this club represent? And I know something, you know, obviously the Athletics started as an American company and this is a, an international podcast. I know that one of the designs that really has oh, yeah. hit home with people and meant a lot is, you know, that uh, sort of collage of all the different fan groups from all around the world. Fantastic. You know, Arsenal is, yes, part of the North London community, but it is also a global group of supporters. And to see that reflected... Uh, you know, at the home of the club where the games are actually played, I know from speaking to people, it's meant a great deal to fans all around the world. Yeah. Art, do you have a, a favourite piece uh, of the... Oh, there's eight, aren't there? Yeah. I think my favourite is the one where on one side is the Invincibles kind of hoisting up their golden Premier League and then the, on the other side is the women's team, the Champions League winners the the hoist, Champions League, yeah. hoisting up their Champions League. I think that's my favourite one. It... I think just looking at them all, that was the most kind of striking, I think. Um, and what I, I think I like about all of them uh, together is none of them really feel forced. I feel sometimes like when, I guess, um, I don't want to say corporations in like the way it sounds, but when, I guess, companies sometimes try and do this whole thing of, I guess, refreshing things for 2023 or the modern era they sometimes make a mistake of just almost doing it out of necessity as if they've been told to do this uh whereas it doesn't feel like that it feels a lot more natural uh with the way they've done it and i think that's probably another reason why say people feel uh, a bit more touched i guess by what they're seeing like the collage of all the the flags and stuff like that i think it doesn't seem like a gimmick. Um, no. And I think that's no. that's the best thing about it. What's your favourite, Ian? Well, I mean, the old, the facade from Highbury with the uh, the players in the window. <laughs> and there's lots of little details. I know Vinay was talking uh, about the details in that. And obviously, you know, a lot of the, my growing up was done at Highbury. So to see that as part of this. Um, but I... I have to say the one that gave me a rush when I first saw it was the same as was the fans from all over the world as well. It, it, I really, really love that. I saw Maldives was in there. They, I mean, it is from everywhere, and it and it does, it does give us a feeling of what what a global institution it is. But I think part of the the reason that most people have reacted well, and you did say at the start that some people haven't, James. Is that true? Because I, I I only said that because. You know, as with any uh, artwork, there's a measure of subjectivity. So I'm sure my timeline is full of people saying this is fantastic. And I think that's great. But I I think there's bound to be one or two who are like, I did. I wanted to see this player represented or I wanted to see this moment represented. But even if you are one of those people, I don't think you can really take issue with the process that the club followed and the thinking behind it. The yeah. intent, you know, what Art was talking about there, about how it feels connected, really, because because it's not a corporation laying on some brand onto us. It's us 
saying this is what we think of our club and this is what we think it, it, it represents. And there it is on the outside of the stadium. We've been talking on this podcast quite a bit about how in the last year and a half that the Emirates has really f- begun to feel like home. Mm. And I think this is another step in that process. Definitely. And it's, you know, these designs are going to be there in the midterm, you know, probably at least a decade, maybe beyond that. And I, I think Art's right. It manages to sort of capture the moment and feel contemporary without feeling forced. And, you know, that image of the men's team with the Invincible Trophy and the women's team, uh, you know, with the first Champions League. I don't even know if pre-Euros, that would have the prominence it does. And I think the fact that Arsenal have done that, I think speaks volumes about the club's values and, and the way in which we, to be fair, for a long time have respected the women's game in, in a way that other clubs haven't. And so, yeah, it, it, they're all fantastic images they and they make you very proud. But I still think that Rembrandt would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> he's handy with a paintbrush. He I knows think we what can he's doing, agree. Ian, I told you. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I think I think the club showed their... Uh, uh, I mean, listen, the, the women's team has done brilliantly and has been uh, very well supported by the club for a long time. Mm. Um but I think when the when when Mikel Arteta and uh, Jonas Eidevel signed a new contract together, I think that was also one of those moments when you went, "Oh yeah, this is that they are they are just as much a part of the club as the men's team, and that's as it should be." 100%. While we're on the subject, uh, Arsenal play Chelsea on Sunday in the Women's Super League, twelve o'clock at the Emirates. Um, so over forty thousand tickets um, have been sold. Art. Oh, is this really the title decider? This is basically Arsenal against Man City in the men's Oof. team on February the 15th. This is the women's version. Yeah, I think it is one of them. Uh, Manchester United have been really good this season in the women's season. Annoying, so, aren't they? Yeah. They come in in both. It's really annoying that they're back. So that one in November, which was also at the Emirates, felt similar. But obviously with the history between Arsenal and Chelsea in the women's game, I think... There's probably just a bit more riding on this one. And I think you probably see, okay, 40,000 tickets sold. But also, I just think there's a bit more in terms of energy that comes with these games. So I'd expect that number to rise a little bit more as well before the weekend, especially with it being a daytime kickoff. Because I think, obviously, they started to roll in the kind of Emirates fixtures last year. And I think you saw a real difference between night games and um, the attendance during the day. That was a very big, big difference. So it'll be a big one. They they have, to be fair to them, done better against uh, those teams at the top, Chelsea, Man City, Man United, um, than they did in years gone by. But again, as you guys know, it's very difficult to call those games but I am again going in there with a, a bit of optimism yeah it's goals though isn't it really it's mm. I mean losing Beth Mead and Viv Miedema, Uh where did the goals come from either well, of you can answer that <laughs> to be fair I, I don't know if this was quite a weird reaction obviously everyone thought it was the end of the world when both of them did the ACLs but I didn't really feel that panicked um just because looking at the last, say, 18 months as a whole, 
I, I wouldn't say this has been Vivian Miedemar's best stretch as an Arsenal player. No. And I just feel like other players have been contributing really well, even when she has been in the side as as well as Beth Mead. I think Caitlin Ford's been very good off the left. The only thing that's kind of missing is that little, I guess, explosion in front of goal. And then through the middle... Oh, sorry. We got a few signings as well. We made yeah. a few signings as well, haven't we? Yeah, I think... So that's another thing that was quite encouraging, how quickly they done their business. Obviously, Jordan Nobbs went to Aston Villa, which was unfortunate um, to see from a just solely Arsenal perspective. Yeah. But she's got to play football. Um, and they sorted out two signings within the next two days. Uh, Victoria Pullover from Ajax and Catherine Cool um, from... Nor Zealand. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. <laughs> but, well, I'm sure we'll get but, letters from yeah. <laughs> Nor Zealand. But it's um, not New Zealand. You're not no, just putting yeah. something. No, okay, fair enough. Uh, but two midfielders. Uh, so, and they've also recorded uh, Gio Quiros from Everton, who's more of a winger. So, um, they've lost three players for injuries and departures, but they've gained three already. Oh. So, hopefully, that kind of gives them a bit of uh, momentum going into it. Same result as last season. What we're looking for, three two at the Emirates. <laughs> uh, that would be uh, excellent. And and while we're talking about bringing players in and doing your business quickly, um, obviously we have to have our uh, our weekly, twice weekly, actually chat about <laughs> anyone coming in. Um, James, has Mihailo Mudrik been? Will he be the most uh, highly anticipated Arsenal signing ever? I mean, I've never seen. He is trending. He's he's trending every day on Twitter. Obviously, it's my it's it's my Twitter, so it's very heavily Arsenal biased. But um, I mean, sort it out, right? Yeah, I'm actually I've just got the Twitter page up in front of me now, and in the what's happening kind of trending column, hashtag free Mudrick uh, <laughs> is is trending away up there. <laughs> yeah, it's you know I think it's one of those sagas that's going to be. Filed alongside, you know, Thomas Partey and Andrea Sharvin and the great uh, lengthy transfer stories. Let's just hope that it has a positive conclusion for Arsenal. Um, yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of reports in the last few days that the deal is close or, or you know, imminent. I don't think... I wish I could tell you that was true. I don't think it is quite true. I think they are inching towards uh, an agreement, but there's still quite some gap to be closed. So, but one thing I could say is that Arsenal are absolutely convinced about this guy's talent. Like they really, really believe that he can be a difference maker between, obviously in the long term, because he's such a young player, but even between now and the end of the season. And for a guy who's been playing in the Champions League, but mainly primarily in the Ukrainian league, that speaks volumes. They feel that he can come in at Premier League level and make an impact, change games, decide games, be that from the start or from the bench. Uh, and the numbers they seem prepared to go to are an indication of how highly they value him. So yeah. I can understand the excitement. And I, I'm excited. I'd love. He's the kind of player who I think every fan would love to watch in their team. You know, pace, dribbling ability, someone who really gets you off your feet. It's just so direct. Much like Saka, Martinelli, those players that thrill us week in, week out at the Emirates Stadium, he would be another one uh, in that bracket. So yeah. 
I hope it can get done. I mean, obviously, the difficulty is we all looked at January and saw this really challenging fixture list. It gets even more challenging with a, an FA Cup tie against Manchester City to come as well right at the end of the month. And we hoped we might have him in place for some of these fixtures, say the North London derby on Sunday. Unfortunately, that's going to pass us by. But um, well, We've got a day, one day and an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, that's true, looking. that's true. Eddie needs to stop uh, <laughs> hugging Ian Wright at the unveiling of the stadium artwork and get back on the blower, I guess. Yeah, and, and I listen, I share your excitement. I think all Arsenal fans do are. If we're prepared to pay more for him than we did for Nicola Pepe, we know how good this guy is. Right? <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been a joke. I don't know, right? <laughs> but yeah, I think you just see it with some players it's instant and I think he's one of those guys where you get it straight away but because he does things so quickly what really I guess makes it feel a bit more important that it is done is not just the fixture list in January but you also look beyond that um, when Arsenal get back into Europa League action that rotation is going to be very necessary on Thursday Sundays then you look towards the the back end of the season and there's a week where Arsenal play Man City on the Wednesday, Chelsea on the weekend and then Newcastle away and you just think about stuff like that and you just feel like okay you're going to need someone else, someone different to actually give you a bit more of a spark so hopefully they're able to, to do something. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they know. They Listen, we're saying all this. They know as well. They can see, can't they? They could see against Newcastle the other day when, when there was no one on the bench or no one good enough on the bench to, to bring on and change a game like that. So, um, yeah, just keep at it, guys, and uh, and get it done. One, hour, one day, one hour and 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you've got to uh, consider the registration deadline, actually. That's true. They've got to be registered by about midday, isn't it? Midday so, tomorrow. Yeah. Midday tomorrow. But uh, uh, you know what? These things are done. Do they still use fax machines for this sort of stuff? I don't, do you even know what a fax machine is? Yeah, I mean, Man United, mate, with De Gea. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, of course. And by the way, they're signing... They're, they're thinking of signing Valt um, Veghorst for six months. I mean, do you think... On the, we'll, we'll, we'll stop talking about this in a minute, but... That's a bit of a left field signing, really, but it's something different off the bench, James. Do you think maybe we could use someone like that, like I say, like an, an Olivier Giroud, for example, just as a sort of impact sub for twenty minutes if the if Plan A isn't working? I, I, yeah, I do quite like the idea of adding a different uh, profile of forward to our to our options. Um, I think stylistically. Jesus and Nketiah, there are differences, but they're sort of, there are things that they share that, that you know, and, and that having a more of a conventional target man could be an option. My main thought about the vocal signing is, I think it shows you how difficult it is to get a quality centre forward in, in January. I mean, Arsenal in a position where they've lost Jesus, but they have Jesus and Nketiah. So if they want to bring someone in as a striker, as a number nine, maybe it's going to be a loan. We look at the deals that Chelsea and United have done. United are getting Veghorst in, who was at Burnley. You know, I think he's a good player, but maybe not the level that you would expect. And then Chelsea, who've paid a huge amount of money to sign João Felix, a player Arsenal did really like. But you're talking about a deal, 
you know, coming up the best part of it's between 15 and 20 million quid essentially yeah. for a five month loan. That is sort of what Arsenal are faced with. And what they have to try and do is kind of weigh all that against their long term thinking and the planning and strategy that's brought them to this point. So, yeah, I just think those signings are kind of we'll see how they do and they may succeed, they may fail. But I think they both kind of indicate that the market's not quite as straightforward as, as we might like, particularly in that position. No, quite. Um, all right, let's have a song uh, before we go. Art, what have you got for us? Mine's not like a song that's on the streaming site or anything. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, it's uh, Your Defence is in Trouble and Ketty in the Room by... I'm going to get his Twitter account. One sec. Uh, Baba Bluey. Um, so... All right. I think a lot of people will will know that tune by now. I'm not going to sing it as it's sung, but um, I think you could get the gist of what the meaning is. <laughs> Your defence is in trouble, Eddie's in the room. Yeah. And Ketty in the room. And Ketty's in the room. I do get the gist, I do. And, and after watching him, the way, particularly the second goal he got against Oxford on Monday, I'm liking his confidence. I'm liking his swagger. And uh, I want to see him do that. Leave Larice on the floor. James, what about you? Well, it's, it's Derby weekend. I went for London Calling. It, you know, it's just Ooh. one of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those songs that I always associate with match days and North London Derby's. Okay, I'm. Uh, I've had uh, uh, Vincent uh, by uh, Don McLean, which is uh, about Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, it also handy with a paper. Wasn't bad, Ian. Wasn't bad. Uh-huh. I saw some of his stuff as well. Useful. Uh, yes, I imagine you did. Of course. Uh, if you're, by the way, if you're in America, I mean Vincent Van Gogh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, and actually, if you're in Holland, I mean Vincent Van Gogh. Just to, to, I don't want anyone to feel left out. Anyway, um, that's it for the podcast. Enjoy as best you can the North London Derby. Thank you to Art. Thank you to James. And thank you to Jesse, our producer. I've been Ian Stone. This has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Come on, you Reds. 